You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. You know, how, how does this guy have a vote, right? How does this guy have a vote? <laughs> As he pops on. Yeah. How does this guy right here have a vote? Well, I, I, was just, I was just talking about, you know, a guy that we, a, a guy that we used to wear, as I adjust my own camera, a guy that we used to work with who used to cover Major League Baseball, uh, but had moved out of any town that had Major League Baseball. Hadn't been with a newspaper in years and been a radio guy, uh, but he was a radio guy in a non-baseball town and hadn't covered really baseball in years and um, still had a Hall of Fame vote. And we all were like, how is this possible? I think that that there is a problem with the process, and we can get into that. But but first of all, we, we want to hear, now that it's all said and done, you, you've done your time here, you're on MLB Network, what was it like, first-time voter? Well, I, you know, I actually have the, I have the problem you're talking about a little bit on the opposite side, which is that I didn't necessarily cover these guys. You know, I've, I just got my vote after 10 years in. Uh, a lot of those guys were finishing their careers. I just got accused of voting for Scott Rowland because I liked him, and I was like, I've never talked to Scott Rowland. <laughs> I knew it. Your buddy's with him. He's buying you dinners. You're going on family trips together. How was Christmas at the Rowlands house? Yeah. So um, I don't know. It, it does give me the perspective of also I'm a numbers guy, so you know I come to this being like, let me just see what the numbers say. I'm not going to necessarily. I have some eye test, but a lot of that eye test came from being a fan. You know, and just being like, well, yeah, I said I, earlier too. the Baseball Writers Association. This thing has got so murky because I mentioned you've you've never worked for a newspaper, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. And this was always well, the, the Palo Alto Daily News. <laughs> I mean, this was all about the newspaper guys. Well, the newspaper guys, for the most part, everybody got, you know, let go. So the, yeah, the days yeah, of the yeah. newspaper guys. That's another question too, is like, where is the industry going and, and yeah. who's allowed in? Cause right now we're not allowing in people um, at some smaller, um, so, some smaller outlets because they don't, they don't cross some boxes. The papers used to cross. So the, there is a question of what the voting body should look like for me. Uh, it was my first time in and I had looked forward to it because um, I thought there had been some bad decisions in the past and I wanted to bring to bear my, my, you know fluency with the numbers and, and and sort of be able to you say okay i i got this i know i i know the numbers you know i can i can do this what i didn't anticipate and what i should have is just uh, how this comes at the nexus of things that people care about so much my team uh your numbers are stupid um uh, you know the the game is getting worse the the hall is getting filled of 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 worse players and that those arguments uh, actually bring the most vehemence and the most anger out of almost any argument that I've that I've been involved in. So, um, yeah, I didn't vote for Jimmy Rollins and I got a bunch of DMs telling me to hurt myself. 
Um, I, I did vote for Bobby Abreu, and I got a lot of feedback about how dumb I was. Um, so yeah, the the eventual process that I that I start out with is it is simple. There is there are some cool tools. Baseball Reference has a page where it has all of the uh, the uh, people on the ballot, and it has some of the numbers there. Uh, Jay Jaffe has a, a, a Jaws a tool, Jaws. which is based on war. I use that. I use war itself. Uh, Fangraphs has a sorting tool where you can sort all the Hall of Famers. I look how the player compares to Hall of Famers, right? And what I'm trying to do is get players that are above the average Hall of Famer because I don't want to make it worse. I don't, I don't want to put in someone who's below the average Hall of Famer uh, just because he sort of belongs. I don't want to say, oh, Harold Baines is in, so anybody who's better than Harold Baines should be in. I didn't agree with Harold Baines being in, so I shouldn't use him as the person. But I use the sort of halfway line. And so if you look at, say, let's say Scott Rowland, I voted for him. I'm super happy he's in. If you look at him, he's above the halfway line among Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer, uh, Hall of Fame third baseman when it comes to homers, stolen bases, slugging percentage, batting average. Like, you know, uh, actually, I don't think he is on batting average, but on a lot of the things that we care about. And yes, war and defense. So I, you know, I said he's in. So I, I put, I voted Bobby Abreu in, Scott Girl, Scott Rowland, uh, Jeff Kent, um, and uh, Billy Wagner because I compared him to other relievers, not necessarily to all pitchers. Uh, and among relievers, he's one of the best of all time. He had a really similar batting average, OBP, and slugging against to to uh, Mariano Rivera. So, uh, you know, those are the guys I voted, I voted for, um, and I did not vote for Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez, and I did vote for Gary Sheffield. So those, uh, those were the things that got people the most angry was my vote for Gary Sheffield, my non-vote for Jimmy Rollins, and my vote for Bobby Abreu. Although right now I'm in, I'm in the deep of it with Scott Rowland because some people think he was in the hall of very good. I, I, I think this, we talked about this a little bit. There are, even within the hall, there are going to be the sort of inner circle hall of famers, the first ballot hall of famers, the, yeah. the Mount Rushmore hall of famers. And no just because Willie Mays exists doesn't mean that Andrew Jones shouldn't be a hall of famer. You I know, totally like, agree. Andrew Jones wasn't Willie Mays, but he can still be a hall of famer. There, there's tears. I and and I and I like to use other sports. Yeah, I, I mentioned this. I, I I think this is probably the best way to put it. To so everybody can understand. When Tom Brady retires, and you put Tom Brady into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, if now that's the standard, seven Super Bowls <laughs> for every other quarterback that ever comes right, along. Right, yeah, right. The touchdown record. The yards record. I mean, the guys played in 14 title games. Yeah. Most guys won't even play 14 years. So th there's different tiers. Um, two guys I want to ask you about. Why not Beltron? I did vote for Beltron, actually. Okay. All right. So, I did vote. Sorry, that's Beltron one. Beltron to me is just, it's being vindictive. We're, we're not satisfied enough that he lost his job to be the manager of the <laughs> Met. We got to ding him one more time, then he gets in next year. Also, um, uh, also a little bit unfair that he's the only player mentioned in the report. A little back. bit unfair that the report says that the organizations will bear the brunt of this punishment and no, the no, no. Astros are to blame. Nope. Says very clearly Astros are to blame. Uh, and that his bench coach that helped him with the whole scheme is now a manager in the major leagues. 
and his manager is now a manager in the league. Right, yeah. <laughs> even the guys Everybody's who got fine. punished, even the Everybody's guys who got fine. punished, it's just him and Lunau are the two guys that are like, you guys are, we're getting you guys. Uh, did you vote for Helton? I did too, actually. Sorry, I did too. Okay. And my okay. and my vote for for Helton, um, I, I guess it it shows you a little bit. I'm a big Hall guy, so maybe some people are you know are like, ah, oh, that's too many. Uh, but it wasn't ten. And Helton, um, uh, there's this interesting thing that happens when you're in cores, you see only fastballs because your junk doesn't like pitchers' junk doesn't move. Curveballs yeah. don't break. So you see only fastballs, and then you leave cores and you see only breaking balls. And this leads to players having a worse away uh, performance than you'd expect. Todd Helton had an 855 road OPS anyway, despite which was, this. Which was, we, we just did these numbers. His 855 road OPS is the exact same as Scott Rowland's OPS for his career. <laughs> yeah. He has a higher, he has a and higher. Scott, Scott Rowland had the glove though. Scott Rowland had the glove. Scott, Scott Rowland's batting average was 281 for his career. We're banging Helton for being on the road. Helton's career average was 287. I'm yeah. not banging on Rowland. I'm just saying what, 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 what drives me nuts is we have established, Cody and I have established that the Colorado Rockies are one of the 30 Major League Baseball teams. Is that correct? Yeah, right. Right. Okay. So, we can't just and, say no Colorado Rockies hitters are ever and allowed. They draft players <laughs> and they bring players up, and we want players to stay their whole career with the same team because we think that's admirable. We yeah. want players to do that. This guy does all of that, and now you're punishing him for that. And this is the thing that I think writers, and it's just writers don't know as much as they they think they do. It is really hard to play in elevation. Anybody that tells you for the Denver Broncos, right. the Avalanche, Sleep, the, the Nuggets, yeah. lack of oxygen, guys get hurt easier. It's really hard to play in elevation. And then when you go on the road, as you just mentioned with the pitches, but when you go on the road and your body goes back down to sea level, it's now a different game for you. It's not mm. the Rocky player's fault. Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing you can see is there are a lot of former Rockies that went on to play in other places. And people said, why did you sign them that, you know, their road, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they were great. You know, Matt Holiday is a, is a really good example, but there are other examples of players, you know, Dexter Fowler. There are other players that were great in Colorado, went on and had uh, surprisingly similar numbers in other places. So, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, you know, writ large, he was one of the best first basemen. Uh, yeah. of all time. And uh, he had some amazing seasons, some amazing seasons that are a little bit, you know, even more amazing than Scott Rowland. If you, if you want to ding Scott Rowland, it's like he didn't really have that MVP type season. Uh, Helton did have an MVP type season. He didn't win it that year, but he had numbers that if you look at them, <laughs> you're just you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and let's be honest, PED guys kept him from winning an MVP. Yeah, uh, you know, so Todd, Todd Helton's, yeah, maybe I, don't, I forget who he, who oh, Sammy Sosa beat him that year, didn't he? Uh, 2001, 336 batting average, 49 homers, 2000, 372 batting average, 463 on base. He lost to Barry Bonds. I mean, he lost to PED guys, so it's 698 it, slugging. Oh my it's god, it's not totally fair. Well, and 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 what I think probably M MLB now. Uh, did the best job of this year was truly explaining the vote and the game that is the voting where Jason Stark talked about how, you know, if you get a ballot 
that it's no votes. It truly changes percentages. You need now extra more yes votes to make up for a ballot that, I mean, extra more yes votes to make up for a ballot that had no votes. And when you're saying that you voted X amount of guys and that means you're big haul, no, you need to understand if you if you don't utilize your 10 votes, then a guy like Scott Rowland never has a chance to go from 10% to, to where he is today as a Hall of Famer. It is, that never is have that opportunity. It's a game. Yeah, like somebody's yelling at me right now about like, how did you go from 10% to 76%? It it has to do, there's a, the sort of the politics of yes. the year and the ballot over time. And there are years where it's much more crowded. And then there are years where it's less crowded. It has to do with how many people are coming in that are hall worthy, that are first ballot hall worthy, that sort of thing. And then they're also changing ideas over time about the importance of wins above replacement as a thing we should think about when we vote. So exactly over the sort of 10 years that, you know, or whatever many years that Scott Rowland has been on the ballot, war has become more popular among voters and younger voters are getting the vote like me who use yeah. war more to, to look at him. And Scott Rowland is a war candidate. You know what I mean? He is that kind of guy where you're like, you know, and, and I think, you know, another thing, third basemen are not well uh, represented in the hall of fame. They the least they're the position with the least amount of hall of famers. And I think this is exactly why is somebody like Scott Rowland because we don't vote in defensive third baseman because for a long time, I think people thought third baseman were just first baseman on the other side of the diamond, you know? And I think that they didn't really care about their defense and they wanted their third baseman to put up numbers like their first baseman. And I think Scott Rowland with war and, in, in, you know, on his side says, no, man, his defense was really valuable. And now I think that fits with my personal eye test. I thought he was the best third baseman, uh, defensive third baseman of his time. That's what I remember him as. And so, you know, if you start with that and being like, okay, he's the best defensive third baseman of his time. Let's look at his offensive numbers. Whoa, they're pretty good. Now they're not like Hall of Fame worthy. If he was a first baseman, he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. You know? But with war, we now have that. So over time, you sort of get you get fewer, fewer people who are going to do the zero ballot protest vote, you know, because because there are actual Hall of Famers on here. You get younger people who are into war and they're going to they're going to vote based on war. So, you know, there's a lot of things ebbing and flowing. There are people who fall out of having the vote. There are people who gain the vote. And and there are just year to year. Sometimes you'll have 15 people you want to vote for and only 10 slots. So then you have to sort of decide who's going to be in, who's going to be out. People this year didn't vote for Carlos Beltran just to say, I mean, Bob Costa said this. Yeah, I thought the coverage was pretty good. Bob Costa said this, not on the first ballot. And I get it, I guess. It's like another little you know, punishment. Yeah. But it is kind of funny to be like, okay, next year he will be a Hall of Famer. Next year he gets 80-something. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and next year, next year third base is going to be the, – the, Third base, now that you got Chipper in, now that you get rolling, I mean, there's no question first ballot, Beltre's going in. He's got he's got all the numbers. He's got a Belt similar package, I think, to Roland. I mean, he, well, he's his, got the he's got the three thousand hits, so even the jokers can't vote. I mean, you got it. Right. Yeah, e e even the but he was guys like, love first for a while. I mean, for 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 parts of his career, his his better his best foot forward was his glove. Yeah, you start looking three thousand one hundred and sixty six hits. 
477 homers, 636 doubles, 1,707 runs, scored 1,524. I mean, he's 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 going in. He's a first ballot. The two guys that are interesting, Chase Utley and Joe Maurer. Yeah, I think Maurer's Maurer's got my vote. I've I've already sort of looked ahead on that, and um, and the you know the other the other the position that's under under um, uh, underrepresented in the Hall of Fame is the is catcher. There are only 17 catchers in the Hall of Fame. There are like 24 first basemen. So um, you know, I think uh, I think that's because the metrics aren't always great for catchers. They 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 break down earlier. It's a tough. Yeah, they don't last tough, long. Yeah, they don't last but, as long. They don't get to the, three thousand. Beloved hits. Ray Fossey, you just had to see his hands. Yeah, <laughs> so crooked. Yeah, they, they look pretty, pretty old and broken by the time they're done. So, um, you know, I, I think we have to and also they do things that won't get caught up in the numbers. So we have to be careful, even as this war, like as young people with the war thing come forward, that we don't just say, oh, Yadi Molina's not in because of war. Because I remember a while back, people were saying Yadi Molina's not in. Look at his war. And I said, nah, man, Yadi Molina's a Hall of Famer. And then we added framing into war. And all of a sudden now, Yadi Molina has the war of a Hall of Famer. And so I'm saying, what about game calling? We don't have game calling in war right now. So if you're telling me there's some guy who's like maybe five wins above replacement short of the Hall of Fame catcher position, I don't want to hear that he's not in because because of war. You know what I mean? Because he might have been the best game caller. In fact, what do people say he was the best game caller? You know, that maybe... Maybe you should listen to them. So, I mean, the the relationship between a catcher and his pitching staff and the pitching coach, it's magic. And when you got a great one who, you know, there's no metric for how much he studies video. There's no metric for how much he studies scouting reports. You know, how many outs does he get your team based off his knowledge of the hitters and his knowledge of the pitchers? I mean, how does, you know, there's not a metric that's that where this catcher knows, I know how my pitcher performs best in which situations. Knowing your pitchers like that gets you out. So the, the cerebral look part good of the today game, or you know, yeah. they're seeing it or the you cerebral know. part part of the game doesn't end up in the metrics, and that's not fair. That's what makes some of these guys that what's what makes their greatness. Yeah, we've been blessed here. Uh, you know, Buster Posey's got my vote when he makes it. Um, I think that should be pretty obvious, but uh, maybe some people will argue they didn't have the length of the career you expect. Um, You're and- just friends with him. You were buddies. You dined together in Atherton, you rich people. No, I wished he talked to me. It was so hard <laughs> to get him to talk to you. God. That, that now we're starting to get into people that I covered. And I did talk to Adrian Belter and had a great conversation, but it took me eight times to yeah. get that conversation. He's a tough guy to get. But uh but I hey, just, hey, can we just say one player they never said that when they ah oh, you were just buddies or you were just a... no one ever accused that with bonds. <laughs> you because you're buddies with him. No. No, he asked <laughs> he asked me for money one time. I said, "Could I could I talk to you about choking up on the bat? I'm doing a big story about choking up on the bat." And he said, "You got money?" <laughs> I'm not shocked. He got mad. I was no, helping I money for you, Barry Bonds. He was a jerk to me. It was back when I was in my early days at KMBR. Mm-hmm. And he and that little squiggly ha- handler guy. I mean, he's in Game of Shadows. I can't remember his name. Uh-huh. Uh, they came into the studios and it was in the off season. And I was setting up the studio and I got the scripts together. It was commercials to help Barry Bonds. And it was a mess because they were a mess. 
and Barry got mad at me, I kind of just blew him off and walked out. Um, but yeah, Barry Bonds got mad at me and I was trying to make, I was trying to help. I was make trying to help good. him make money. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chase Hutley, Chase Hutley as a second baseman is interesting. Yeah. You know, there's, I, I try not to have magic numbers because we often, a lot of these magic numbers are going to go away with the way that people play the game now. Um, you know, you think about like 500 homers or, or like think about 300 wins. Like nobody's really going to do 300 wins anymore. You know, no, We're just, never. Because we don't even leave them in long enough to get the win, uh, but but you know, sixty wins is is uh, kind of a magic number. Sixty wins above replacement. He's got sixty one and a half. He's right there. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a short short peak thing. He kind of once the it was knee on knee. I mean, bone on bone in the knee. Uh, he kind of really fell off. He had those hey, really three, amazing three, three top ten finishes in MVP for a second baseman. Yeah. The stolen bases, the runs, the RBIs, the home runs, the doubles, the defense, played in big games, played well in big games. I mean, at some point, that that's all something. And I know I, I did an interview with Joe Morgan one time who said, Joe Morgan said, your postseason stuff is icing on the cake. I get that. But that icing tastes pretty darn good. And we do have to, when, when, the, when the lights are the brightest and the most important, I think there is something about how you performed in the postseason. That may be one of the 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 dings on Billy Wagner. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, but uh Udley had more chances than Wagner, bigger sample. Uh 224 batting average uh in the postseason. But uh well, you guys yeah. say batting average doesn't matter. <laughs> it's only the power. I love when you guys go back to batting average when you guys hate batting average. I call you guys on that all the time. Cody does that too. I go, wait a minute, you said it doesn't matter. Now it matters. Yeah. I what, mean, this, what was his arguments can be squirrely. It's true. So, but Utley hit home runs. He drove in runs. Utley was a good player in the postseason. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, 10 homers and about half a season worth of at bats, 11 stolen bases. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I, I, w- I remember very distinctly uh, being very sort of mad at him as a fan. Uh, which is a good sign of someone's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> like, well, hey, that I, guy, I tell you what, if, if that you guy don't is go, so good, <laughs> if you don't go Utley and, and J Roll, you're gonna you better never go to Philadelphia again. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. In any case, uh, I, I I think I'll make that decision later. All I'm right, before decided. Before we get out of here, uh, what is this eighty twenty percentile projections you got going on? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, thanks to Zips projections on Fangraphs, I'm looking at the 80th percentile. So projections give you sort of a look at the the halfway mark of just like this is the most likely outcome. But they, you know, the good projection systems also model like the what it would look like uh, in the extremes, right? And the things that can lead to uh, wider extremes in the projections are, um, let's say they don't have a major league track record. You're projecting a minor leaguer. Uh, let's say they're they're very old or very young, or they strike out a lot because uh, strikeouts translate to the major leagues differently. Or a guy who strikes out a lot can have a streaky good season or a streaky bad season. I think of Franmil Reyes. Yeah. He he struck out a lot. You know, with the Padres, he hit like 40 homers and everyone loved him. And then he goes to Cleveland, he strikes out a lot, and they release him. Um, so, you know, strikeouts can do that. So, um, I, I was looking at this and it's actually very interesting. The A's have a, um, 
have fewer high variance players than most major league teams. They're in the sort of bottom third. So that makes sense, actually, if you think about the types of players that the A's acquire when they when they trade. They're always looking for guys who are closer to the big leagues, who are more projectable. And if you talk to people privately on the A's, they talk about, you know, not wanting to take on that risk. So when the Reds take on two 17-year-old shortstops and A-ball for, for their pro, for their guys when they trade them away, the, the A's are much more likely to take on a 23-year-old in double-A AA or triple-A that's had a taste of the big leagues, Kevin Smith, you know? So it's Kevin Smith versus Noel V. Marte. Noel V. Marte... You know, there's there's, you know, 80 out of 20 out of 100 times doesn't do anything in the big leagues. And 20 out of those times is amazing. You know what I mean? And the the, the A's are much more likely. Hey, we want a guy who's a 50 50 shot, at least to make the major leagues who we think is projectable. There's less risk. We think he's going to make it. So they actually don't have as many uh, high variance guys. But I thought it'd be interesting to point out who has the most variance. And these are the types of guys where if they have seasons that are on their better outcomes, the the A's will be good. Um, and so I, you might not be surprised at all to hear it's Shea Langoliers. Uh, yeah. Seth, uh, Seth Brown is a little bit surprising. Uh, Estory Ruiz uh, and Jordan Diaz and Max Muncy. Those guys uh, have a uh, more than two win separation uh, between uh, nearly three wins for Max Muncy between um uh, what they what they're like what they could be in the worst and what they could be in the best outcome uh so if you look at projections and you're saying man this oakland team looks bad shea langler's is projected for a 225 batting average uh seth brown uh doesn't ha- look like he's gonna have a 300 obp this year uh history Ruiz 365 slugging those are all the sort of median outcomes and i do think that they're a little depressing at times uh but at the same time we have to think that these are not proven players yet. They haven't, they don't have long major league track records. So the 80th percentile outcome is still possible. And that 80th percentile outcome has uh, Seth Brown, Isturi Ruiz, and, uh, and Shea Langoliers as being nearly three win players, four wins as all star. So now you've got a core of players. And I think that's what the A's are going to do this year is put all these guys on the field. You know, Jordan Diaz is in this group and, and, uh, and see what they can do. Rolling those dice, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I will say that I was going to say in the in the Bay Area catchers thing that I was saying, Sean Murphy. Uh, it's too bad he's gone, but he was a, a real hard worker, uh, and I think one of those great catchers that really understood his pitchers. And for what it's worth, in my in my few conversations with Shay Langoliers, I've talked to him three, four, or five times about catching, about hitting, about everything. I, I think he's a legit catcher. Uh, we'll have to see how the, the strikeouts come along uh, on the batting side. But in terms of handling the staff and uh, and taking it very seriously, uh, he's a good catcher. Quickly, Aguilar signing that one-year deal with the A's for supposedly $3 million. It's just, this just screams like an Oakland A's deal. Uh, if he doesn't perform, eh, get rid of him, no big deal. Or he over goes back to what he used to be, and that's a guy who can be a force in the middle of your lineup for three mil. Yeah, the A's used to do this all the time. I mean, how many you had Mike Piazza in here? You had like, you know, we had Frank Thomas, I think was an A, you know, like we always had yeah. uh the the bigger older uh DH type. And I think uh I think, you know, maybe he'll play some first base. Maybe Seth Brown will play in the outfield or play first base. Uh either way, you know, it helps them when they're sorting through options in spring training. I will say that I also saw um something on Dermis Garcia 
on Fangraphs as uh, something you know very interesting about the way uh, he was making contact last year that he could be a breakout content, uh, con- uh, candidate. So I think Dermis is still in the mix. I think Soderstrom yeah. is going to be in the minors, but he's on his way. So they've got some first basemen to work through. Great stuff as always. Let's play his outro, please, Cody. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. I can already hear it next year, Eno. You, David Wright blew you off. That's why you're not voting for him. <laughs> I can hear it now. Not the short career. <laughs> All right, buddy. Great stuff. And you were fabulous on MLB Network. All right. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, the great Eno Saris joining us here. He joins us every single week on A's Cast Live to talk baseball. And um, good stuff. Good stuff. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 